Today we're ending our series. We conclude our series that we began on Easter Sunday. Where we've been talking about how the resurrection has changed everything. You know, because of Jesus' resurrection, because he didn't stay dead, we, we know that what his death was all about. At the cross, Jesus died in place for our sins, and Jesus entered into our pain and to our shame. Jesus came and took the weight of evil itself so that its power could be broken. And because Jesus didn't stay in the grave, we know that Easter is about God freeing us from sin, God overcoming death, God setting things right and making everything new. You see, this is love. Love that forgives, love that frees us, love that conquers the grave, and love that makes all things new. You see, if God didn't send his son, if God didn't send his son to die on that cross for us, our story wouldn't continue. Our story of hope, our story of love wouldn't continue when we do fail, when we do mess up. You know, maybe you're asking this question, what, what does it mean for God to make all things new? Why does it matter for us here and now? Well, let, let me try to explain that to you. And hopefully by the end of the sermon, yet you'll have a better understanding of that. And I'm sure many of you can relate. Those of you who have kids, you're probably younger age. I know whenever me or Melissa go to the store, uh, we take Coleman with us. Where we always have to go down the hot wheel aisle, the car aisle. And Coleman's always picking out the next one that he wants. He's obsessed with, with, a car, with the cars, and he can't leave the store without one. He really, really wants it. How many of you have been there? <clears throat> you see, when children are little, <clears throat> there always seems to be that one toy, that one doll, that one thingamajig that they really, really want. And then a parent, or maybe a grandparent, will say, all right, we'll buy it for you. We'll get it for you. They would play with it and carry it around with them wherever they went. They would sneak it in their school book bag. They would take it on their car rides. They would take it to their games or their dance re rehearsals. And then one day something terrible would happen. The toy would break or the doll would lose her shoe. Or I can remember back when I was a young boy. My, my sister was devastated because I, I took her baby doll and tore the leg off or the arm, whatever it was. You know, but things happen. Or, or maybe it was a Lego set that they took in the car and it shattered into pieces. And that one piece got lodged into the spot in the car under the seat that no human hand could ever reach. You know, there would be tears. And I mean big tears. Sorrowful tears of regret. Why did I do this? Or if the situation is particularly devastating. Or the child is feeling particularly dramatic like many of them are. They might explain, why did this happen to me? Or in our case, with our seven-year-old daughter, she often says, this is the worst day ever. You know, like any good parent, though, we try to make the situation right. Well, maybe for your birthday or maybe for some special event, getting good grades at school, we can buy you a new one, whatever it might be. 
And the child, in their anguish, inevitably answers, I don't want a different one, I want that one. You see, there might be some particular reason for saying that, like the color was, was the right color, or the style was just right, or I had the doll's hair in the right position. But more often than not, they can't say why. They just want that one to be fixed. And that's how we are when we look at the world around us, if we're honest. If we're honest, we don't actually want some other world in some far off place. We want this world, this life, but fixed. We want our loved ones, but alive with the imperishable kind of life. We want our relationships, but without the pain and the hurt or the brokenness. Yet here we are, surrounded by the things that have fallen apart. We don't want all new things. We want all things to be made new. But before we can turn to explore what the Bible says about this desire deep within our hearts, I think we need to look at one more thing. And that one thing being brokenness in the world. We see it in the big things like our systems and our structures. And we see it up close, deep inside our own hearts. There is sickness in us. Something that has infected us with selfishness and greed and pride and lust. And there is something that keeps tipping even the very best of our systems and structures towards injustice and oppression and ineffectiveness. You see, our world has no vocabulary for this. And our world seems to be a bit stunned by it. People often wonder and ask, shouldn't we have progressed by this, progressed past this by now? You see, the same sentiment was circulating around Europe before the beginning of the First World War. Society seemed to be destined for an onward and upward march of progress. And then the world descended into the abyss of destructive ways and destructive wars and unthinkable atrocities. How could this be? How could this happen with civilized and enlightened nations? You see, our generation has experienced a similar thing when we look at 9-11. It seemed that the world was beginning to settle into a new globalized reality. The economy was booming. Nations were cooperating. And all seemed well until airplanes were hijacked and crashed into buildings. How could this be? The world may have no vocabulary for this. But the church does. We have stopped using words like sin and evil. But maybe there is nothing else that can, be, that can give a better account for the sickness in human behavior and the malformation of systems and structure, structures than those words themselves, sin and evil. You see, evil holds the world in its grip. Sin has infected the human heart. And we want to know, what will God do about this? Does God offer all things new? Or can God really make all things new, you might ask? And I think to answer those questions, we need to turn our attention to a guy by the name of Paul. Paul, being one of the early church planters who described himself as the witness to the resurrection and why it matters that Jesus was truly and really raised from the dead. You see, Paul names himself as 
last in a long line of eyewitnesses to the risen Christ. And then argues that because Jesus has been raised from the dead, death itself has been defeated. A new beginning is possible. And you can get in on this through no merit of your own. Sounds pretty exciting to me. Knowing that I'm a sinner. Knowing that I can be a new creation. And as Paul continues in his letter in Corinthians... He begins to give us a fuller picture of what our hope as, as Christians really is. And if you will, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50, starting with verse 51. Listen. I am telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we will be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we will be changed. For this corruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility. And this mortal body must be clothed with immorality. When the corruptible body is clothed with the incorruptibility and this mortal body is clothed with immortality, then the saying that it is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? The sting of death, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe it's helpful for us to see what our hope as Christians is really not. If we dig into it a little bit, Christian hope is not compensation. Christian hope is not compensation. We're not waiting for God to make, make it up to us. By giving us mansions or streets of gold. Now something more powerful than that is going to happen. God is not going to reward us for our troubles. God is going to transform our bodies to bodies that cannot perish or die. Christian hope is not explanation. Paul does not tell the Corinthians that one day God will explain everything. It is true that, we, that now we know in part that one day we will know in fullness. But our hope is not grounded in the notion that one day we will understand everything. Our hope is grounded in the belief that one day everything will be made new. Christian hope is not evacuation. We forget this because we walk and talk about we forget this because of the way we talk about heaven. Heaven is a wonderful place where we find rest in the presence of God, but even heaven for the early Christians was not the focus of the Christian hope. You see, heaven is real, yes, but it's not the point. Or as a New Testament scholar and early Christian historian N.T. Wright has famously said, heaven is important, but it's not the end of the world. Heaven is important, but it's not the end of the world. Imagine for a moment that you have a child, and that child is being bullied on the playground at school. 
Imagine that your child says to the bully, just you wait and see. My mom and dad are coming. And when they do, you're going to be sorry. And then imagine that you arrive on the playground and your child comes running to you and tells you all about the bully. And the bully is standing right there. Now can you imagine saying to your child, Oh sweetie, oh darling, I'm so sorry about that. Now let's get in the car, let's get out of here and get some ice cream. You know, as fabulous as ice cream is, and as unlikely as any child is to turn down ice cream, that is not really what they're after. Neither is getting out of there. But you see, that's how we talk about heaven sometimes. It's as if we think Jesus is going to come back and get us out of here. Airlift us out of trouble. And leave the world as messed up and miserable as it is before. That is not good news for the world, nor is it good news for us. What about the bully? Who will show him that his tactics didn't work? Will he ever be stopped? Will the playground ever be safe? What we want, what we know we should do as parents is to get out of that car, give the bully a stern warning, or maybe more, get him off the playground, and maybe even play with our child so that they know that the nightmare is over and that it is once a safe get, once again safe. You see, this is what Paul is getting at when he talks about Jesus coming to reign and put everything under his feet. The last enemy to be vanquished by the coming reign of Christ is death itself. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 24 says this. Then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to the God, the Father. When he abolishes all rule and all authority and power for he must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be abolished is death, for God has put everything under his feet. And then if you turn with me to Revelation chapter 21. Starting with verse 1. John receives a vision of this and fills our hearts with hope. I know it does with me and I hope it does with you. Revelation 21, starting with verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death will have no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. Jesus will swallow up death in victory, wipe away every tear, and make the heavens and the earth new, and God himself will come down to dwell with us. You see, it's not about us getting out of here. It's not about us going somewhere else. 
You see, our hope is about God coming here and restoring and remaking the world and then filling it with his presence. This is what creation was created to be, a carrier for his glory. Christian hope is a new creation. The great end that we are looking for is kind of like a great Easter day. When God will do for the heavens and the earth what he did for Jesus. He will raise it up in newness of life, if you will imagine it. Resurrection for the cosmos. The strongest way the New Testament to describe it is a new creation. And what a perfect way to describe it. That is why in telling the story of Jesus' resurrection, John's gospel notes that it happened on the first day of the week. Sunday was not the first day of the week yet. But because it was the day on which Jesus was raised, because they believed that the resurrection of Jesus was the beginning of new creation, the first Christians began to mark time itself differently. Sunday became the first day of the week, and indeed the first day of new creation. And this can all be for you too. Today can be the first day of creation for you. Today can be the day that God starts putting things back together for you. I know it's easy to look outside in the world around us and see all the wrong things in the world. To look at the evil and the sin as the great powers that holds the world and human history. But the truth is they are also keeping You, keeping me bound and broken. The same poison that infects the world has infected us. And there's a cure. This cure, his name is Jesus. New creation is here because Jesus went to the cross. New creation is here because of, he took the weight of evil upon himself. He took our sins And it wasn't just our sins that that he carried. It was our sufferings. It was our sicknesses. You see, Jesus drained the poison of the great serpent. He let the enemy strike his worst blow and exhaust his forces on him. And Jesus died. Earlier when I said I was going to preach the, the quickest sermon you ever heard and told you I was a sinner and I was a failure... If the story had ended there, there there would be nothing else. There would be no hope. But the story did not end there. The Father then raised Jesus up in victory. The resurrection is a great triumph over sin, death, and evil itself. Because of what the Father did through Jesus and defeating death itself, I'm able to stand up here and present the gospel to you. We're able to come together and worship and celebrate what Jesus has done for us. You see, Jesus, Easter doesn't mean a new creation one day for the whole world. It also means a new creation now for you. Paul wrote this to the Corinthians in a follow-up letter as if to drive... How personal and powerful the good news of the resurrection really is. In 2 Corinthians 5.17 he writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. 
You see, you can experience new creation now by letting Jesus set you right from the inside out. You can be made new and resurrection can begin in you. You know, I'm about to celebrate my 36th birthday. And through the years, there have been many struggles, many trials, many, many things that I've, that I've gone through. There, there's also been triumphs as well. You know, I think back to the time where I was a wee boy. And, and you know, my first experience with, with the church and, and Christ and knowing, okay, well, we're going to get baptized. Um, but, but it wasn't really until I went to college... It wasn't really until I understood what Christian hope was, I, that what it was all about really. And it wasn't until me and Melissa got married that, you know, I, I finally decided that, hey, maybe back then I didn't really give my life. It was just a motion. So, you know, almost 12 years ago, 14 years, wow, 14 years Time flies when you're having fun. Um, you know, that, that I decided that this was the right time. That this was what God's calling me to do. You know, God, God said, hey, you're a sinner. You're a failure. You mess up. It, it's time for you to experience what the resurrection's all about. It, it's time to give your life over. It's time to experience this new creation once and for all. And... and it's been a struggle, you know, here and there. there there's been rough patches. There, there's been trials and temptations. But because of the hope that I have in Jesus, because of the hope that, that we're told about in, in scriptures, because of what John wrote in the book of Revelations about the new heaven and the new earth coming, we can go out and be that new creation and share it with the world and share it with our community out there. You know, God... God created us to be that messenger. God created us to go out and share it. He doesn't want us to keep it in. You know, maybe this morning you're, you're deciding, hey, have I really given my life to Christ? You know, maybe, maybe you're thinking, eh, maybe today's the day. Eh, maybe I'll wait until next week. You know, th there's no time like the present. You know, it, it wasn't, you know, I think back, you know, if I really, you know, understood what the Bible was when I was a boy, you know, what would have happened if, if I would have, you know, died or had cancer, or, you know, what would have I ever really known what Jesus was all about? And, and to think about my, my three kids now. You know, am I being the best person that I can be sharing the gospel with them? You know, I just pray that this morning that if you're struggling, yet you have a question that, that you're wondering, that, that you see one of us elders, that, that you mention it on your connect card, that, that you write it down so that we know that we can pray for you, that we can help you along the way. Because without, without Christ... We're nothing. Without Christ, we, we can't be that new creation. But we want to be a fellow, fellowship of believers who want to be there for each other. So I'm here for you. I know, Rich, I know Rich is here. Sean's here. 
We're here for you if you need anything. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for this time that we get to celebrate and experience your resurrection and just the power and the glory and just what it means for us, Lord. We just pray that uh, as we continue to focus on you, to continue to focus worshiping and, and understanding what this Christian hope is all about, that we can see this new creation, that we can understand this new creation and just share it to the people around us, Lord. Lord, I ask that you just uh, be with everybody here this morning, that, that you just uh, give them the nudge if they need the nudge, that, that you just wel- welcome them with uh, open arms, that, that you just let them know that you are there, that you are sh- wrapping your arms in love with them, Lord. Lord, we appreciate and thank you so much for all that you do for us. We thank you for the story of the gospel and just your ultimate sacrifice that you gave to us. Us sinners, us undeserving people that mess up and screw up and that are failures. But you did it for us because you loved us. And Lord, I look forward to it down the road where where we can stand in your presence and just be surrounded by your love and just experience what this new, new creation is all about, Lord. We love you and we thank you so much for all that you do for us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.